Welcome to another episode of Humans of SDU, podcast that discovers your stories. Today we'll be speaking to Flora, um, the Vice President of ESN Denmark. We'll discuss how hard it is to actually run ESN in a pandemic, but also about how fashion choices can mean so much more in your life. So enjoy! Welcome Flora, thank you for joining us very much through, well, I, we can we can say this to our listeners through Zoom <laughs> because everything else failed us in Corona time. So thank you. <laughs> As we just talked to Flora about, we're not the tech people of this group, um, but we made it work through Zoom, and we're very lucky to have Flora be our guest today. Thank you guys to be here. It's it's um, I think you reached out to me in October, so it's been a it's been a while since we tried to organize this this. Better talk. late than never, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So uh, we know we're talking to Flora, and we also know that Flora is a vice president uh, for ESN Denmark. But when we say ESN, we usually think events and, and karaoke and meetups and community. So how does this actually work uh, in the corona times? Um, I think first I would like to just introduce myself so everybody has an idea of who I am. Uh, my name is Flora Sabo and um, I've just graduated from the University of Southern Denmark. Um, I joined ESN uh, almost two years ago um, and I started as an active member for half a year in ESN Onze. And after half a year, I became a board member as a local representative of ESN Onza. And uh, last March, just days before the lockdown, I was elected as the vice president of, of ESN Denmark. Uh, my mandate started uh, with the 1st of July and none of us expected <laughs> what finally ended up and what happened. Um, I, I remember last year writing my application and all my motivation and goals and everything. And looking at uh, right now, I almost couldn't finish any of them because it was team building and a lot of networking event, which which mm -hmm. didn't happen because of Corona. Yeah. So um, starting with September, it was a bit better because we could do a lot of outdoor activities. But uh, right now, when it's winter time, when it's cold and uh, sections are really focusing on doing online events, it's a very tough uh, job to keep members motivated to make um, participants uh, engaged with our uh, organization as well. So there are a lot of difficulties coming with Corona in a student organization like ESM. Definitely. Do you want to maybe like tell like maybe what one of the difficulties has been this past year? Yeah. So um, ESN is known for um, that the volunteers are able to um, wait a second. <laughs> the volunteers are able to improve themselves uh, throughout our workshops and trainings. Um, every semester, uh, ESN Denmark organizes um, a national team building event, for example. 
where uh, we have six sections in uh, ES in Denmark and we meet in a cottage in the middle of nowhere. And we have uh, uh, educators, trainers from our network and they're coming and teaching us to how to communicate better, for example, how to motivate uh, ourselves, how to uh, deal with the the stress or or the conflicts that can emerge from working in a student organization. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest thing that it's very difficult to feel uh, the member for the members that they are part of a bigger network mm -hmm. in in a in a situation like this or that there was also one issue that some uh, sections felt that they are left alone in the in the in this in this issue and we with the national board we try to support them as much as we could yeah. um in in these times um and at the end of the day it, it uh, something really nice emerged uh we can see more uh sections uh, collaborating uh, with each other than before because with online events, it makes easier for them to connect while with a physical event, they are supposed to meet somewhere and all that logistics, they had to be figured out while here online, it's easier. So they can meet with other sections, they can see yeah. how other sections organize events, for example, mm -hmm. or what are their, um, what are their um, uh, strategies or, um, that's so things. great to hear that at least something positive yeah, yeah. That, that they kind of figured out a way to collaborate right mm -hmm. even though they couldn't meet that's amazing not just what are some of the events that uh you've been doing virtually so uh i know that there are some uh, online yoga for example or uh some of the sections they provide like uh, uh, language tandems, if I remember well, that's how it's called, um, huh. uh, or watching Netflix together, or now there's going to be, uh, at the end of March, a scavenger hunt organized by uh, several ESN sections, mm -hmm. for example, uh, ESN DTU or ESN Aarhus. So students or internationals who are here in Denmark, they can have a, a, a bigger overview of what's going on or like a, a better uh, a better feeling of, of what Denmark is or what is in Denmark is actually about. Yeah. Um, so so uh, sections do cal uh, collaborate in these ways. Um, and also we right now we do uh, cross collaborations. So we um, try to um, encourage sections to cross promote each other's events. In this way, we have uh, more uh, participants because that's one of the big struggles of online events that after hours of online school, students don't feel to attend online events. And that's something um, sections had to learn how to appreciate the low number of participants yeah. when before <laughs> a speed friending we had hundreds of people coming uh like i don't know the maximum was like a hundred i don't know 20 or something like wow. that there were like 50, there were like 50 tables and and student house or something like that there were a lot of people and now with an online uh, uh, speed friending this number is much much smaller yeah and how do you deal with this like now you have a very different uh view of how what is a successful event yeah exactly i mean but that's the thing right you have to cater it to to what your circumstances are right now 
but it's it's kind of it's so cool to hear that you guys are still making it work yeah definitely and I th it's it's also really something that can drive you forward and that express your creativity in this you basically had to throw the entire playbook out exactly i mean so kudos to you <laughs> exactly i mean hats off because what we know is networking and team building and all of these nice fancy words is that you know that you're together as people physically i mean that's just like you know what pops up into your mind because yeah or either you think of linkedin or you think of this i think and um but it's so cool that that all these sections are like cross collaborating and it must it must feel so nice for you as the vice president of us in denmark to see this happen right uh, definitely, um, especially seeing that there are some sections who are thriving in this environment or seeing other sections who are really struggling with this um, and how they can come together and just figuring out something really good um, and really nice and they enjoy the work. Mm -hmm. um, because that's something uh, we we face right now is uh, the volunteer uh, flow or like how um, of volunteer fluctuation to be precise yeah. is that how we're going to keep these volunteers who were active members during co Corona time to get into uh, local boards or getting to the national board. Mm -hmm. uh, we are going to have an election of the national board uh, at the end of March. So this is going to be something we will see how much Corona affected uh, yeah. people's motivation to join the national board, especially many positions in the national board was uh, were very limited by um, the, the Corona. For example, there are many uh, international trainings, events that we could have attended. But now we are sitting at home and yeah. watching a Zoom call for, for a whole weekend. Exactly. Yeah, it's just not the same. But it just sounds, for somebody who perhaps has never been a part of this organization, it just sounds really, you know, formal election and national board and sessions. So can you maybe tell us a bit more about how it, how it works in, a, in, yes. a, in an organization like this? Yes. Um, so some sections differ. So if I have to talk about Yus and Onza, um, if I can talk about ESN Onza, ESN Onza works in uh, the way that first you apply to be an active member and if you like the environment and there is some, um, yeah, if you like the environment, uh, you can apply to be in the local board, uh, which means that you have a bit more responsibilities. Uh, there are different roles in the board, like president, vice president, treasurer, uh, communication manager. Uh, for example, but again, these positions give you a specific task. Like if you're a communication manager, you can deal with uh, the section's um, uh, social media profile, which yeah. in the which at the end it's pretty cool if you want to try yourself out in a in a different uh, environment than than for example uh, working somewhere because it's a it's a volunteer work, so it gives you a lot of freedom, but in the same time. There are some um, um, there are some tasks which has to be done, and then uh, the next level is the national board. Um, basically, anybody uh, from the network can uh, apply for a position. Uh, we have elections once a year. You're elected mm -hmm. for one year as a national board, and uh, last year uh, the national board was restructured. So there are ten positions, and at the moment nine positions are filled. 
-hmm. Yes. So are you going to be running again this year? I think so. I think so. Okay. It's, it was because I feel that um, I could have done so much if there wasn't the Corona time. Mm -hmm. So course. I'm very, very, I'm looking very, very positively into the future, thinking that everything that I wanted to achieve, maybe I can achieve next year. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they expect us to be vaccinated by this summer. So I really hope you get to have the dream year that you wanted to have as the vice president. Because you mentioned exactly. that you had some hopes and... Mm -hmm dreams of yes. how you wanted it to how you wanted to do it right exactly like um for example as i mentioned before the team building event or um every semester we have uh, a meeting called national assembly that's where we have uh, all of our elections and that's mm -hmm. where we meet as a network once yeah. a semester and um and that's also a vice president's role to be in contact with uh, the organization, uh, the organizing committee. Yeah. Um, and, and I just couldn't do, even though that one of my good friends was in the uh, organizing committee uh, last semester and we couldn't. We were very, very um, positive. We were like, yes, we're gonna do it there. Everything is gonna be fine in two weeks before we had to cancel, which was very, Aww, very, so very sad. sad. It, it was it was in October twenty uh, fourth, and we were very, very uh, positive that we can do it. Uh, yeah. Everything is mm -hmm. going to work out. And two weeks before, uh, we had a meeting, and then the national board decided that it's just safer, better, and we also had to consider ourselves, the yeah, network, yeah, and our health. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's so important as well. And it's just, I think it's so hard to choose. Like sometimes you kind of just want to do the yeah. event. You put fun. so much into it yeah. already. You do most of the events for, for international students, right? Exchange students. But how was it, how was the number of them actually affected? Because uh, I can't, I can't really imagine just going somewhere for an exchange and then well, not being able to go anywhere and, and meet anyone. So. Were there actually any exchange students? Um, so last semester, uh, for example, I only know numbers from um, SDU. Uh, there were less people than mm -hmm. years before, but there were some exchange students and full-time, uh, full-degree international yeah. students. Uh, this semester, it's a bit tricky because uh, of the because of the new restrictions, you couldn't enter the country unless you had your yellow card, CPI mm. number, residence permit. So as far as I know, um, not many uh, exchange students enter the country, uh, except the ones who are working in labs and, um, and working in an environment like that. Yeah, uh, it, it was very difficult because how do you make events for international students who are not here? Yeah. yeah. How do you sell ESN cards, which is the membership card for uh, the network, uh, to people who are not here? So many sections had to rely on those either internationals who already been living in Denmark, um, which is a big cut. Uh, mm -hmm. Like in an intro day, you can sell a lot of cards. Yeah, when, yeah, when I remember. The <laughs> yeah. And then now, and now there's an intro day and it's on Zoom. Yeah. You can mm -hmm. build awareness, but it's very difficult to build engagement. Yeah. Um, or, or make them, um, even though that there are still a lot of discounts coming with the card. <laughs> yeah. 
it's so actually my question I remembered it now um it was basically as a person that hasn't really been involved in ESN because I'm not really part of the international crew even though I'm not really Danish um because I don't know ESN doesn't really um you know target the 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 thing that I study but what I was wondering was that do you have to like you know be a student to be part of the national board and the board and everything at the university of your section or can you still be a part of it if you're not uh, every section uh, has their own standing orders and statues mm -hmm. so it always depends on whether the statues and the standing orders allow this for a section uh, for the national board you don't have to be a student uh, so for example our president right now he's not a student anymore but that was uh, his second mandate for example mm -hmm. so okay. it's not necessary uh, to be a student but for sections it's um, in the standing orders and also you have to consider how long people can stay mm -hmm. in the network how much they can be uh, involved with um, that's always a consideration when um, when it comes to volunteer link how long they can be in in the network how how many positions they can yeah be. exactly <laughs> yeah so now that, now that i listen to you uh, about about the yeah. entire organization yeah. you must you must know a crazy number yeah. of people so how do you actually maybe cope with the number and there are people who know too few people i think there may be also an issue of knowing too many <laughs> Ah, uh, that's a very interesting question, um, because as soon as you get to ESN, you don't only have friends in the country, but you also have friends from other countries. Yeah. Um, so like once a year, there is a big um, meeting, uh, which was canceled last year, this year, never going to happen. And also <laughs> once a semester, uh, there are regional meetings. For example, I was very lucky because I could attend the last uh, physical um, <laughs> Northern European platform, which was held in Vasa, Finland. So then you meet all the Northern regions. So yes, there are a lot of people involved in, in the network and you know all those people in the network. Um, I actually, I, I don't know. Um, I. I'm lucky to have a very good memory for with names and faces. It That's very handy. handy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to have that, especially when when you're in a position where, especially like being a vice president, you are uh, responsible for the sections and yeah, yeah. who are in the sections and and everyone. So it's something that you you need to have a very good connection with the people uh, in the network. But that was one of the reasons actually why I applied to be a vice president and not any other roles, for example, because I yeah. know that <laughs> how, how close I got uh, to many people uh, in the network and I know them, I am friends with them mm -hmm. and how easier is to communicate with them when you have a very close relationship mm -hmm. and not like not knowing anybody. But yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's very, very tough to know that many people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And so, is yeah. this is this also why you joined ESN in the first place? Uh, I mean, in all said to, to get to know people, because you're an international yourself, right? So it yes. yeah, from mm. yeah, at least my point of view, it, it, it can be hard. Yeah. Um so um I also did my bachelor here in, in uh Onze at the University College uh Lillebelt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and while I was doing my studies, I also worked as a student helper uh, from 2016 to 2018. 
So basically, I was responsible for uh, the exchange students there. And at the end of like, uh, no, the start of uh, 2018, we also had to work with ESN a bit closer. And then that's when I was like, oh, that sounds cool. I'm changing my uni. That would be nice to get to know people. Uh, yeah. It would be really something that I already know because I've had some events with them. Yeah. So why not? Why not to try? And um, that's I started uni uh, two years ago, and I also started the ESN two years ago. Oh, that's such a nice little yeah. story. I was actually gonna ask you, like, so what was there? Like, did you ever do exchange program, or? Uh, no, I'm I'm from Hungary. Yeah. And um, after um, after uh, high school, I spent a year in the United States um, to learn the language. And then I, I came to Denmark to, to study. So that was the only thing. I never really, unfortunately, it's very difficult when you're an international in Denmark and do an exchange because then you have to give up your accommodation. You mm -hmm. have to, especially if you're uh, an international full-time, for example, your job, which is, as we all know, it's very difficult to find. <laughs> and um and that's something that you have to say no yeah. mm -hmm. uh, for half a year and then you have to build up. So, but that's was that was my struggle and that's why I never, I only uh, did an internship back at home for three months. I don't know oh, if yeah. you can call that one, <laughs> but that was that for me, it was definitely a new experience for three months being at home. That was something, something different. Yeah. yeah. So um, what did you study at UCL? Uh, I studied uh, marketing management and international sales and marketing as it was written in the big book. And uh, I was lucky enough because I took um, SD as an elective uh, package. Mm -hmm. So I had enough ECTS uh, credits to uh, uh, to be enrolled at the University of Southern Denmark. That's so, so great. Yes, I feel very, very lucky about that because when you come to Denmark from somewhere uh, foreign and you don't really know the universities or the system, Yeah, it's very, very difficult. So um, actually, I, if you were asking, I also wrote my master thesis about this. Uh, so really? Oh, really? Can you tell us yes. a little bit more? Oh, sure. Um, so I wrote about uh, Central and Eastern European women's perception of Danish fashion and lifestyle. Wow. And, uh, and how they uh, negotiate their identity um, and their femininity uh, between like how they experience growing up, being a woman, what, what is to be a woman and coming to Denmark, what it is to be a woman in here, how it, yeah. it works, how is this? It was mostly focusing on consumption of, of fashion and style and things like that. So I guess it was something very deep inside of me that I had to turn a master yeah. thesis. Well, that's but so, I, is it is it too bold to ask you to kind of summarize the findings for us because I really want to know no, what you yeah. found out exactly. <laughs> um, if you actually um, just a few uh, weeks ago, I was uh, invited to a podcast called uh, "Tales of Consumption." Um, so um, it's um, I'm very proud of. So I can just link you to that podcast as well. Okay. But, to, <laughs> but to summarize um, briefly, um, it was very interesting to see uh, how they despised their origin on their country based on 
what is to be Central and Eastern European mm -hmm. from the media or just, they cannot be exoticized in Denmark as internationals. They will always be Central and Eastern European. And it's a very kind of a stigma that you hold with yourself if you're from that place mm -hmm. and you cannot really feel that. So what you can do coming to Denmark is either you try to mask your Central Europeanness and try to become a Dane with like speaking like a Dane, speaking fluent Danish, mm -hmm. or try to mask your uh, with your clothing, for example, by wearing darker colors, earthy colors, baggy clothes, very com uh, very comfortable clothes, which you wouldn't say very feminine back in Central and Eastern Europe. I mean, maybe by right now with the the Nordic fashion is getting into uh, other countries as well, but from their perception, that's how, how they saw it. And then mm -hmm. those who couldn't really find their, their femininity and this new style, or they couldn't really find their, their self-expression through it because they tried to mask themselves so much, they were left with the, their shattered cosmopolitanism because then they try to act like, okay, then I am an international. But at the end of the day, it's they feel that they tried to learn the language or be like a Dane mm -hmm. while, uh, while, while, they, while they, just, they just couldn't for different reasons. And, Are um, they suffering also, from imposter syndrome maybe? Is it something like that? Could be, but um, my thesis was focusing on consumer acculturation and that was the, the main theory. Okay. I mean, it's something like Amazing. you're going through assimilation, so cool. yeah. assimilation and integration. And it was really the, the question of uh, like that you you assimilate or whether you kind of integrate in the same way yeah. to try to. Yeah. So it's uh, it, it's wow. actually a very interesting uh, topic. And uh, I also knew when I was writing my master thesis or before that I had to use somehow what I have my network how can I do that <laughs> exactly I mean it would be foolish not to use it right yes so <laughs> that was my first thought I feel as like the, the, as, a, as a woman from from Central Europe I should read it like can I read it somehow <laughs> Your thesis. I mean yes we can manage that but um as, as I mentioned in the beginning, I'm currently trying to, to, to make it into a paper mm -hmm. um, from, uh, with my supervisor, uh, supervisor Anuja Pradhan. So let's hope that uh, it's going to yes. be something, but of course we can manage that. Uh, it's, it's, a very, it's, a, it's a very interesting topic, especially like you as well, uh, a Czech. And uh, I don't know if you came here because my informants came here as soon as um, they finished high school. So they are 18, fresh mm -hmm. of the boat. Um, but um, uh, I also used another uh, study from Wilken and Dahlberg, uh, 2017, who um, uh, looked into uh, master students from Central and Eastern Europe. And that was very different. Yeah. Yeah. There is already a very big difference when you already kind of, you were an adult in your country or when you are, when you are really becoming an adult somewhere else. You know, I definitely believe you about the fact that you have a really good memory because like I see you citing the studies <laughs> of my heart and I'm like, what? Did she have it in front of her or something? 
um this that's just like I mean that's amazing you know like your passion mm -hmm. it's actually kind of really inspiring I I mean I don't know I feel really in awe after hearing about your thesis like when it's published I am going to be the first one to subscribe <laughs> to that forum oh, to you're, you're really really nice yeah. <laughs> thank so you also are you also thinking about taking it further uh, the research yes definitely if I have a chance um maybe uh writing a phd i would definitely like to do that uh, mm -hmm. because it's a very uh, interesting topic especially if we're thinking about uh being a woman or feminism um, especially a lot of feminine topics were not uh really um researched so i think it's very important to do that but it's very interesting we uh ended up from esn <laughs> to, yeah. to feminine topic. To who is the person like you know who is this vice president i mean it's so nice yeah. you know, because you're so nuanced i mean honestly <laughs> that's the word to use i think yeah do you have a, any specific place in mind where you would like to do your phd because i can imagine that you have friends now all over the world so you can um, make any place home <laughs> I don't know. I mean, of course, it would be very nice to do it in my alma mater at uh, SDU. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also know the limitations of um, the uni and uh, I'm very open for for other uh, universities as well. I would be very uh, happy also if I can uh, try to live in another country other than Denmark after more than five years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, who knows, it's it's really in the future. And and I know that it's, it's very difficult for, for anybody uh, right now during the, the pandemia and during these times. So for me, it doesn't really matter where it can be. I know that um, during these times, especially during the pandemia, um, it's very difficult for, for anybody anywhere. Um, so I'm very open to go to any countries, any universities, um, especially the ones who are working with uh, consumer culture theory, which is um, the, um, which I'm, I'm really interested in. Um, Would it be Nordic countries then? Because I mean, since it's centered around Central and Eastern Europe, then I don't think you would go there, right? Yeah, but then again, there can be some other aspects which can be uh, analyzed. For example, let's say in the UK, there are also a lot of Central and Eastern European yeah. Um, yeah, living in the UK. And it's it's some, something uh, I, I have to think about. And also how, how this topic can be translatable into other cultures as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so should we just maybe wrap up yeah. uh, with the last question that we promised you? Um, and this is something we ask everybody yeah. uh, that we have on, on the podcast. Um, so what would you say your life hack is? Do you have a life hack for our listeners? A life hack? You mean how to keep it going? Honestly, yeah, because yeah. you were talking about motivation before. So is there a life okay. hack for motivation under Corona, maybe? I, I can say for first of all for the network one of the motivations to keep it going is to focus on ourselves focus on the network and focus on the members mm -hmm. which means that we try to organize uh, online uh, workshops or uh, we try to join um, uh, national international uh, events where we can um, where we can um, improve ourselves and work better as a section because this is the time where we can really, really focus on ourselves of who we are. And personally, my 
drive is to be over with this and I could go somewhere warm with a margarita in my hand and the, the sun is shining and I can hear the ocean. This is what is keeping me going. <laughs> Honestly, daydreaming then. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great. So thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, girls. It was very nice. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a, it's been a long time and finally we succeeded. Yeah, I'm <laughs> very happy yeah. for that. Hopefully it was worth it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's it for today's episode. Uh, by the way, brought to you by Merit Media at ESDU. Um, please come back next week because we'll be back next week with another episode. And in the meantime, just check us out on Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, have a great week. <laughs>